Welcome to Mill Creek Church in Belleville, Texas, where our worship service is in progress. Today, Pastor Monty Bird continues with his sermon series on the Book of Romans. And now, Pastor Bird. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we approach your word this morning in the letter to the Romans, I just pray that you would open up our hearts and minds to your truth. I pray that you'd continue to sanctify us with your indwelling spirit and use us within your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. We're continuing our study of Romans as we wind down our study. We're in Romans chapter 16. And I'd like to remind you that last week I covered both 17 and 18. And in these verses, Paul is warning the church to avoid false teachers. And he'll continue that in the upcoming verses, that warning... However, he makes this comment in verse 19 that I think deserves our attention. In Romans 16, 19, in the first part of the verse, he tells the church at Rome, he said, your obedience has become known to all. And I don't know about you, but sometimes as I read Paul's epistles and you get to that last chapter, it's sometimes tempting to just kind of hurriedly read through the text, but you miss a lot if you do that. And this is one of those instances. Your obedience has become known to all. He makes a similar remark when he opens up his letter. In Romans 1.8, he said, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. One could ask the question, is Paul trying to flatter his audience and just write wonderful things about them? And I would wholeheartedly answer, absolutely not. And if you think about it, if he mentions it in the opening chapter and he mentions it in the closing of his letter, there has to be something to it. For him to say in 1619, your obedience has become known to all. And in chapter 1-8, where he says that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. In other words, people know the faith of the church of Rome at that particular point in time. Well, what is it? Why did he write that? And the answer is, is around 41 AD, the Roman emperor, Claudius, expelled all Christians from Rome. And this is mentioned in Acts chapter 18. Turn with me, if you will, in your Bible, Acts chapter 18. It reads, after these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome, and he came to them. So because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for by occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. 
We also have an extra biblical account of Claudius expelling the Christians. It's from a historian whose name was Suetonius. And this is what he said. He said, since the Jews constantly made disturbances about the instigation of Christos, he expelled them from Rome. Now, there's a debate on whether Christos is a misspelling and a reference to Christ or it's a slave. I think we all agree that it's Christ when he wrote, since the Jews constantly made disturbances at the instigation of Christos, he expelled them from Rome. So what are they known for? They're known for their faith in spite of being expelled from Rome as Christians. And we could read over that lightly and say, oh, well, they were expelled. But for a moment, put yourself in their shoes. Put yourself in their shoes. That you are told by your government to pack up and leave. You're gone. Let's just go through the list. What do you lose? You lose your job, right? You, you lose your ability to sustain yourself because you lost your job. You lose your house. That's gone. You've got to start over in a different place. We moved a lot when I was a kid. I moved first grade, I moved third grade, I moved fourth grade, I moved fifth grade, I moved sixth grade. And I hated it. Because every time you moved, what? You had to start over. Who are you? Where are you from? What are you like? It's the same thing for us as adults. You lose your social standing. You you lose being known in the community in which you operate. So you lose your job, you lose your house, you lose your social standing, you lose your character because no one knows you. You've got to start over. Needless to say, it's traumatic. Now, Paul wrote the letter to the Romans somewhere between 55 and 57 AD. In other words... There's about a 15-year span between the Christian expulsion and him writing the letter. What happened in the interim? Priscilla and Aquila moved back. How do we know that? Well, earlier in Romans 16, what does it say in verse 3? It says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles likewise greet the church that is in their house. Now let's talk about that couple for a moment. Paul met them in Corinth. Then they moved back. Now the human tendency would be, as you move back to Rome, is it, let's lay low. Let's don't rock the boat. We're back to our home. Let's just finish out the rest of our life in peace. That would be the human tendency, wouldn't it? But what do we know about them? Well, in Romans 16, 5, it says, Greet the church that is in their house. 
They're still laboring for the Lord, aren't they? In spite of persecution. Now, this is especially poignant when you consider at the time of this letter, Nero had just begun his reign. Not a friendly emperor. Here we have a church in a couple that is known for their faith. Needless to say, Romans 1.8, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. And 16.19, for your obedience has become known to all, has significance. It has significance for the church of Rome in us knowing who they were. But I also think it has significance for us as believers to use them as an example in how we live our own life. As I was going through this and thinking about how he said that they were known, it reminded me of that very short creed that we're all accustomed to. To know Christ and to make Him known. To know Christ and to make Him known. And I would argue that you can't be known for your faith until you know Christ. And unfortunately, I believe that there are a lot of people who know about Christ, but they do not know Christ. Last week, I referenced Matthew 13 in the parable of the seed and the sower, and I think it's appropriate verse in this context as well. As you look at verse 20, when Christ said, but he who receives the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet He has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. In Matthew 13, that person, they knew of Christ, but they didn't know Christ. As we look at the church of Rome and how Paul describes them, They didn't know about Christ. They know Christ. They have a saving knowledge of Christ. Because unlike the parable of the seed and the sower, we know that the church of Rome endured tribulation. They endured suffering. And they stayed true to the faith. Which leads me to my second point. Being known for your faith, being known for your faith, is exhibited somewhere in your life as you live out your life. It says in the passage that their obedience was known. Now, how was their faith known? It was known through their actions. Their actions. Tell our faith is known. James chapter 2 verse 26 
says, for as the body without the spirit is dead. Let me read that again. The body without the spirit is dead. So faith without works is dead also. We don't believe that work saves, but we believe that salvation works. In other words, you're regenerated when you come to Christ. You're a new person in Christ Jesus. And through that new person, you work. And when you encounter trials and tribulations, your faith becomes evident to all. Look at the words of Christ in John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse 1, Christ said, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. The two points that I just made previously. You've got to know Christ. You've got to know Christ to be known. Well, look at that last phrase in verse 4 of the words of Christ. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. In other words, if you're a believer, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're living your life for Christ, you will bear fruit. And he prunes us, doesn't he? That's what Christ tells us. He prunes us. He prunes us so we can bear more fruit. If we don't bear fruit, which is very difficult. But if you look at chapter 15, verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. In other words, a believer is going to bear fruit. In other words, you will be known for your faith. How are you known? It's not your intellect. It's your actions. It's your actions. And most often, we are known through adversity. Our faith shines through adversity. Why do we remember Job? Do we remember Job because all he had and his riches? That's a blip. In the beginning of the book of Job, isn't it? We know Job because of his faith through adversity. Look with me in the first chapter of Job, verse 6. It reads, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. So Satan 
answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the works of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now, stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his persons. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. We know the rest of the story, don't we? How Job lost everything. He lost every single thing. His friends told him, curse God and die. But he was obedient to the Lord. And because of him being faithful in adversity, we know Job. We may not go through the adversity of Job. We may not go through the adversity of the church of Rome. But we should expect tribulation. We should expect it. And in fact, the words of Christ in John sixteen thirty three says this, These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. When we know Christ, we become known through our faith. Now, it's easy to follow the Lord in the good times, isn't it? That's easy. But I would venture to say that your testimony, your testimony shines when you're faithful in the difficult times. Reminds me of James when he wrote, let patience have its perfect work. That's difficult, isn't it? I'm not patient. And that's difficult for me. And I think we have to ask ourselves, what am I going to be known for? What am I going to be known for? We all experience trials and tribulations, don't we? You may be going through financial problems. You may be going through health issues. You may be going through the death of a loved one. And in all cases, I have seen something that is quite disturbing in my 25 years of ministry. I have seen as people start encountering those problems... That first of all, they rush to church. And then when those issues aren't resolved in the way that they would like them to be resolved, they fall away. That's not being faithful. That's back to our parable of the seed and the sower. That when tribulation arises, they fall away. 
I remember when I was a kid in church and we had a vibrant Wednesday night prayer meeting. And I would go as a kid and there were some elderly people in our congregation who had been through a lot. They'd been through a lot. And they just seemed to have such wisdom and composure in their faith was deep. And I used to think to myself, man, I'd like to have that. I'd like to have that. You don't get there if everything is going right in your life. You get there by leaning on the Lord in the most difficult hour. And what ends up happening? Your faith grows deeper, yes. I think we would all agree. I look back at times in my life, in difficult times. It wasn't in the easy times that God grew my faith. It was in the difficult times. It was in the times when we were in difficulty that my prayer life grew, my Bible reading grew, my worldview became more Christ-like. It was in the difficult hour. It wasn't in the easy hour. If we want to have a testimony, and this is the thing about being known What are you going to be known for? This is the thing. When you are known by your faith in the difficult hour, you become a testimony to other believers around you. And God uses that. One of our founders here in the church, who has since moved away to another city, They lost a 13-year-old boy. I can't imagine. I literally cannot imagine. But I saw them in their faithfulness, in how they openly talked about that event, in how God used that event in their life. And I remember in times when a similar instance would happen to another couple here in town. That they also experienced a loss of a child. They were the first ones to go and to share what happened to them. God uses that. He uses all things, doesn't he? He uses all things. If you're going through a family problem, he's going to use it. If you're going through a financial problem, he's going to use it. If you're suffering through the death of a loved one, he will use it. If you know him, if you know him, you will be known by your faith. It's only through Christ. Christ says, apart from me, you can do nothing, nothing. How many times have you seen people say, oh, I'm going to do this for Christ. I'm going to do that for Christ. And they have the wrong motive. 
But when we lean on Christ, knowing only He alone can guide us and shape us and mold us, when we lean on Him, He works with us, He comforts us, He's there for us. And we become a testimony. 1 John chapter 5, starting in verse 1, says, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves Him, who begot also loves Him, who is begotten of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome. For whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Christ overcame so that you could overcome. Christ overcame so that you could overcome any situation that you find yourself in through the power of God. It's not through our will. It's not through our intellect. It's not through our logic. It's through Christ and through Christ alone. Join me in prayer, please. Our Father, I just pray that we might be known for our faith and known for our obedience. I pray, Lord, that we might be a living testimony in our community, that people might look at us in times of darkness and trial and suffering and say, there's something different about that person. Lord, I pray at that time that we'd give you the glory and the praise. I pray that we'd lean on you And rest in you. I pray that if there's someone here who does not know you, that they'd come to a saving knowledge of recognizing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us as Pastor Bird continues this sermon series. If you wish to hear more, you may find him at millcreekchurch.org or go to sermonaudio.com slash millcreekchurch. Prayer requests may also be left at millcreekchurch.org. Our church services are as follows. Sunday morning Bible study is at 9 a.m., followed by our worship service at 10 a.m. We have Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study, and they are at 6.30 p.m., For more information and our mission statement, please visit our website, millcreekchurch.org.